The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm Clay Link, alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. James going to be going kind of around baseball, touching on a lot of different teams and notable one notable prospect per team uh, for a lot of the major league clubs. But I'm off next week. I know you're doing a show, though. Do you have a guest lined up yet? Yes, uh, the great Ian Kahn is going to join me next Very week. Nice. So uh, we also have a a surprise uh, for next week. So uh, stay tuned for that. But um, yeah, should be Ooh. should be a good show. Uh, that's actually the day of the trade deadline. So I'm guessing we'll just kind of uh, discuss whatever moves have sort of happened that week and that day, and the prospects that have been flipped and. Uh, dynasty league implications we might do kind of a, a quick preview of uh, ian's next update to his dynasty rankings just guys that he, he's been moving up guys he's moving down 
Uh, so it should be a good show, and it's a much, 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 much deserved uh, week off for you. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm going to, to visit the old man down in Florida. Should be fun. Maybe hope he lives in Jupiter. There's some prospect who I just heard about those in Jupiter. I'm going to have to figure out who that was, but hopefully get to a couple games. Looking forward to that. Uh, looking forward to though listening to you and Ian. That should be a great show. But, you know, the, the deadline, I haven't been, like, away from from Rotowire at the deadline in, a few, in many years, and um, I know there's going to be a ton of work, you guys stepping up and knocking that all dead, but... You know, any prospects that you see, maybe Asan Diaz, others who, you know, trade could open up a spot for that could become fantasy relevant? Uh, well, there, there are some guys that we, we might even touch touch on in today's show where it might not be a trade uh, opening up a spot for them in their current organization, but they might get traded to an organization where they could actually play. I mean, there's a lot of teams – um, you know, like Dodgers, Braves, uh, you know, the best teams in baseball have guys that, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see Kyle Tucker get traded, but like he would be another obvious one um, where there's just a, you know, a bulk of, of players who are ready for the big leagues and they just don't really have spots. So, um, you know, kind of like your, your Colin Moran types, like in that, that trade uh, with the Astros and the Pirates uh, a few years ago where it's just like, you know, this guy's just kind of an extra piece for us, but he could probably play every day for you. I think there's some guys like that. Uh, Isan Diaz, I mean, I think he'll be up uh, in early August no matter what the Marlins do. I mean, I don't <laughs> – I think they'll try to trade some guys, but I can't imagine they're going to have any luck trading – Starling Castro uh, to anyone. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not like going to be a, a flashy type of thing unless unless it is Kyle Tucker that gets traded. But mm-hmm. um, always interesting just to kind of see the valuations on, you know, what type of prospects it takes to get what type of players. It's been a incredibly uh, buyer-friendly market these past few years as teams just really – clutch onto their prospects and, and sort of refuse to part with anyone of note uh, unless they're just getting an absolute stud. And even then you're, you're talking about like maybe a borderline top 50 prospect gets moved. So um, I don't expect any huge names to, to be on the move in terms of prospects, but it's still fun to sort of see those guys in the, the 100 to like 300 range who get moved. Yeah. One guy that I was thinking is maybe a long shot could fall in that category. Gavin Lux. I mean, that guy looks ready right now, but not, you don't think he's on the table at all probably for the Dodgers. No, they just, they never, I mean, the, the by far the best prospect they've traded in recent years has been Jordan Alvarez, even though it wasn't seen that way at the time. Josh Fields. Yeah, I mean they. You, you're just the the teams like the Dodgers, the Astros, um, you know, even teams like the Yankees. I mean that they, they don't trade prospects that they love. They trade prospects they've fallen out of love with. Mm. And uh, in Jordan Alvarez's case, it was just a matter of I don't think. I mean, he was so far away and and just so big and so raw that they were just kind of like, yeah, sure. I mean. He probably isn't going to amount to anything, and then obviously he just reaches absolute ceiling, and 
it's tough to see that coming, but you're, you're typically not going to see a team like the Dodgers trade. I mean, they, they wouldn't even trade Alex Verdugo these past few years, and Gavin Lux is a better prospect than Alex Verdugo ever was. Yeah, Gavin Lux is getting moved up to AAA. 481 batting average. That's insane. 548 on base, 963 slugging percentage. Uh, but with Corey Seager healthy, just not really a spot for him. So I know they – I think Dave Roberts said recently that we know we, we know he's on his way. We're, we very much know that he's going to be a part of this team for many years. But um, I would think he could bring, you know, they're linked to Felipe Vasquez. I, I think I would, I would honestly think the Pirates would want more and the Dodgers probably would be reluctant to do one for one. Oh, I mean, I think the Pirates would do that in a heartbeat. You think so? I just don't okay. think, um, I don't think the Dodgers, I think Dodgers would hang up immediately if, if that got proposed. <laughs> no, that's probably fair. I, yeah, may may not be many blockbusters, at least you know, involving prospects this year. But um, one guy that we, I don't think we got a really ch- a chance to talk about, Nick Solak, not really like a big marquee prospect, but was on the move, kind of a forty man crunch for the Rays, so he was sent away to the Rangers. And I know you like the skill set, kind of you know, not as a a huge difference maker, but as a guy who could maybe have some success at the big league level, do you think maybe they pull the plug on Odor and and give him a look? Although Danny Santana's in that mix too. I feel like Odor has been heating up. A little bit. As soon as we start saying stuff like, yeah, I mean, Odor's terrible. I feel like he, every time I say Odor sucks, he just goes out and hits like a bunch of homers. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, been really good in terms of the counting stats and batting average uh in july but he's also striking out at just a insane clip uh he has 21 strikeouts and one walk in his last 15 games but also seven homers so uh definitely producing doesn't really seem that sustainable um i i don't know what the rangers are doing they're in this really weird uh sort of no man's land of they've got these They've got some talent on the big league roster. Like they could get something for guys like Mike Miner and Lance Lynn, but are they actively trying to unload those guys? I mean, do they really want to bottom out? Because I, I don't know. It's they got that new park opening up next year. It's a weird roster. I mean they they can't find room for like Willie Calhoun, who obviously is extremely flawed in a real life sense, but. Still, you would think that getting him playing time, at least regular playing time against righties, would be paramount over uh, getting Hunter Pence regular playing time. Um, just it's a it's a tough situation to figure out in Texas. But Nick Solak, I mean, I think he definitely is a guy that will at worst get a a look next year. I mean, he's capable of playing the outfield and capable of playing second base. So. Maybe he's sort of a, a super utility player for them who ends up playing almost every day. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of kind of fringe starter type prospects uh, in the upper levels of their minors. So um, it's a tough it's a tough org to get a read on for sure. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a lot of rumors with minor, but since they do have that park, maybe they, they hold on to him. Uh, but let's get to some of these burning prospect questions from around baseball. One per team for most teams, I, although you had a computer crash. Yeah, I do want to just say, like, I'm really sorry there won't be a Farm Futures article this week. Uh, it 
it hurts me more than it probably hurts you, the listener. Uh, but I had been working on this uh, pretty long article. It was going to be, you know, talking about 30 different prospects on all 30 teams. And then I, my computer crashed. I haven't had this happen in years because I'm usually working in Google Drive. Uh, but uh, was not working in Google we Drive. Forgive you, James. And it's just don't de- have to beat yourself. It's devastating. So yeah, I mean, it, it was going to be a good article, I swear, but uh, we won't have it today. Or no, I, I'm sure will. Well, thankfully, we have this. You can kind of expound upon some thoughts on these guys, and we'll start with uh, the Diamondbacks. Luis Frias is um, is he the best pitching prospect in this organization? I think for dynasty leagues, he is, and. I don't think people would argue too much with anyone saying he's better than guys like Brennan Malone or Blake Walston or Matt Tabor. Uh, but you know, everyone knows who John Duplantier is, and uh, I just don't. I, I've kind of given up on him ever being able to hold up under a starter's workload. So while he's more likely than Frias to provide fantasy value at some point because he's basically big league ready uh i just don't see that upside of him being a you know even like 160 inning a year guy i think he's just sort of in this weird uh like jonathan loisiga sort of no man's land of yeah we know he's got got a chance to be pretty good when he pitches but he's just hasn't proven he can stay healthy really at all and that's just kind of more of a headache than I'm looking to take on, especially in like a dynasty setting. Like I, I don't want to play these like, all right, he's, he's out for another month, like type of thing with, with him. Whereas Frias, he's a, a six, three righty, uh, mid nineties fastball. Uh, he's been getting rave reviews on his changeup and his curveball this year. Uh, 32nd clip of him, uh, just dominating for uh, Hillsborough. It was from the Hillsborough Hops Twitter account that I was going to embed in the article. Um, that I would recommend checking it out if you're thinking about scooping him up. But uh, kind of checks all the boxes for me uh, for a guy that is just a rapidly, rapidly ascending pitching prospect. And obviously, there's all kinds of bad stuff that can happen between now and when he reaches the big leagues. But at least for now, he's he's going to be a hot commodity if he's not already. I know he got scooped up in one of my dynasty leagues already, so uh, he's inside the top 200. Um, I just think I'm going to go after upside every time in when I'm looking at pitching prospects, and to me, he's got the most plausible upside in that org right now just because I, I'm – I'm really sort of out on Duplantier, like holding up under a starter's workload. Yeah, 62 Ks and 38 and two thirds innings. That's that's pretty good. Next up, the Braves. How does Travis Demerit fit into the Braves' long term plans? Well, he's you know right now he's kind of there. He's obviously not on the big league roster, but if he were to get called up today, he'd be their fifth outfielder and. You know, I think he's not on the 40-man. He was exposed to the Rule 5 draft last year. Nobody took him. Uh, but this has been just kind of a a massive bounce-back year for him. I mean, he was a guy that we've been tracking as a prospect for going on like five, six years now, back when he was an infielder in the Rangers system. He's now a corner outfielder in the Braves system, and he's putting up uh, the best numbers of his career, really, when you take, in, take context into – 
into account. I mean, he's he's hitting the ball to off fields. He's hitting the ball in the air. He's uh, you know he he's going to strike out. That's part of the reason why he was traded from Texas in the first place. That's part of the reason why he uh, did not get taken in the Rule Five draft. But he's he's going to walk. He's got a ton of power. I think he's a perfect candidate to get traded into a situation where he gets a look. You know, I mean, if he got traded to you know any number of rebuilding teams i think he would get a look as their left fielder or right fielder next year and in atlanta you know i think that he would have some value to them but they're going to be contenders for the foreseeable future and he's going to strike out a decent amount in the big leagues uh, when he gets his shot and it's going to need to be on a team that's going to be patient enough to let him kind of work through those struggles and i just don't see a team like atlanta being that patient they just don't really have any need to 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 do that with him so uh that's the type- not being that patient with austin riley <laughs> I mean. uh well that's you know that's a tough spot i mean like they're trying to get the best seed they can and in, yep. in the nl playoffs and riley's going through a an adjustment phase where pitchers have, have adjusted to him and he's you know you'd like to see him get the the opportunities to kind of work through it but at the same time they have all they have four outfielders who you know from just a talent standpoint should be playing every day so it's tough to justify just benching Nick Marcakis or Ender Inciarte just so that Riley can work through things but yeah I think Demerit's the type of guy where you could see him traded for uh, bullpen help or something like that to a team that is ready to give him playing time. Very nice well before we move on a real quick note from our primary sponsor Yahoo DFS It's officially July, which means football season is around the corner, and Fantasy Football has introduced, uh, sorry, Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in on the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't have to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count toward your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment, no waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players. No having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and or not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash. But most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join a league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. James, next up, the Baltimore Orioles. Shout out John McKechnie. Um, is Austin Hayes the ultimate post-hype sleeper? I think he is because there wasn't a ton of hype to begin with. I think I was just the the highest person on him in, in 2016 and 2017. And I think it's pretty easy if you weren't really in on Hayes in the first place it's pretty easy to just kind of overlook him Uh, but I think a lot of his issues over the past year and a half have been injury related where he just hasn't been able to get going and uh, this year he's been an above like a 12 I think he's 12 percent better in league average in the international league this year despite still like not walking that much at all he's just uh, when he makes contact he's making you know really hard contact he's got power to all fields and i think he has opportunity on his side as well you know i think he's the best defender 
like of the guys that I expect to be a part of the Orioles long-term plans, you know, he's a better defender than Trey Mancini, who I think belongs at first base. He's a, obviously a better defender than Ryan Mountcastle, better defender than Anthony Santander. I don't think we have to include Dwight Smith in this discussion. So, you know, I think Hayes is going to get a long look as an everyday player for the Orioles at some point soon. And I hope it's this year. Um, you know, we don't know. I mean, maybe there is some stuff he could still work on, obviously, at AAA. But at least next year, I think he's going to have uh, an everyday job, maybe right out of spring training. And I think there's uh, 25 plus homer upside, especially in that park. So uh, don't forget about Austin Hayes. And uh, he's a guy that I think you can still go acquire pretty easily in a lot of dynasty leagues right now. Very nice. Next up, the Boston Red Sox. And Talking about 19-year-old Gilberto Jimenez, only 19, so still has a long time to figure things out. But what does he need to do to reach his ceiling? It's really just two things with him. I mean, he's a he's excellent at making contact. He's going to probably stick in center field. He's got elite speed. Uh, they jumped him from the Dominican Summer League straight to the New York Penn League this year, which is a massive jump in competition, and he hasn't really faltered at all. Uh, the two things, though, that he really needs to – uh, change if if he's going to be a, a fantasy stud is he's got like a 70% ground ball rate right now which is just horrible uh, so there's going to have to be some sort of a and, and I mean he can drive the ball in batting practice but it's just in games that there's going to have to be sort of some some tweaks to that swing so that he can start at least you know go with a line drive oriented approach doesn't have to be this massive launch angle try to hit everything out type of thing but he he can't be hitting it on the ground 70 percent of the time so he needs to fix that he's also uh you know he's got like a 55 percent success rate on stolen base attempts despite having that that top of the scale speed we don't want him to turn into like another christian patch where uh you know we the speed is there but the success on the on the bases is not there uh, so if he if he can improve as a base stealer, I think that would be huge as well. But he's got plenty of time to do those two things. I just think that keep an eye on on how those two sort of stats are are trending for him early next year because uh, he's going to have to improve on both of those to be a guy that is you know right now he's he's incredibly exciting in dynasty leagues, but he's not a he's far from a, a finished product just in those two areas. Next up, the Chicago Cubs and Brennan Davis. Drafted behind Nico Horner, but can Davis develop into a top 10 prospect in all of baseball? Yeah, I think people love to ask me, like, you know, who from this range of the rankings can be a top 10 prospect? And, uh, you know, he's kind of the obvious answer from the back half of the top 100 because he has the power, he has the speed. it's just I, I want to be a little bit more patient before making that type of move with him because he still is a guy who's who's turning twenty this off season. He's got less than fifty games at low A. Um, you know you don't want to over like overreact too much to just him because I, I thought he was going to be really good this year, uh, but I don't want to let like confirmation bias move him from like middle of the you know 100 to 200 range to all of a sudden top 50 just because he, he's had a good first like 40 plus games at low a uh he is a guy though if, if you're just chasing upside and you're in one of those shallower leagues where maybe only 50 prospects are rostered i think he's the the type of guy to just you know see if it continues to click for him at low a and high a uh, because if it does you know he's got a 
you know, I, I would say maybe 25 homers, 15 steals, something like that. Um, I know he's he's a burner right now. I mean, he's got a pretty big frame, so I wouldn't bet on it being a 20 to 30 steal uh, skill set. But 25 homers, 15 steals, a high batting average. I mean, that's that'll play. Yeah, only three steals so far this year, but that's good to hear that you think there's significantly more juice in there from on the on the base paths. Uh, now for the the White Sox on the south side of Chicago, does it matter that Nick Madrigal straight up doesn't hit the ball hard? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I it's definitely worth pointing out with him that his soft contact rate is quite a bit higher than his hard contact rate, which is obviously not what you want. But I think the key with Madrigal is just having the correct expectations of what you're getting into with him. Uh, I mean, he's gotten a lot of national hype because of just how good the bat-to-ball skills are. I mean, he's he's kind of on the Williams-Astadio end of the spectrum where he just almost never strikes out, which is, I know it's really fun to look at that and be like, wow, like strikeout rate at below 3%. Um, but he's he's not a guy that's going to hit for power unless he sells out for it, in which case he's not going to hit for that that average that we're hoping for. So as long as you expect him to be a leadoff hitter who scores a ton of runs, hits around 300 and steals. Uh, you know, I, I think 20 bases is probably a, a realistic upside there. Uh, maybe if he just really gets on base, like at a crazy clip, he could be a 25, 30 steal guy. But uh, I mean, a, a high batting average, a ton of runs and like 20 steals, as long as that's your expectation, I don't think you'll be disappointed, but there's just not going to be much power there unless he really sells out for it. So I don't think it matters that he doesn't hit the ball hard as long as your expectations are in the right zone. Now here's the main event, the burning question that people tuned in for, the Reds' burning question. <laughs> uh, has Jonathan India been a disappointment? Uh, I don't think so, and I, I I included this just because like I've had people ask me or someone someone phrased it to me I think last week or the week before like I know you got burned by Jonathan India uh, and I've heard um you know people say like well this hopefully this isn't another Jonathan India situation like in kind of a, a negative manner and I don't really get it I don't I don't understand why people are severely disappointed I mean sure like I, I, I'm sure if you took Jonathan India in your first year player draft with like the third or fourth pick, you were probably hoping for him to just come in and set the world on fire. But he was 25% better than the average Florida State League hitter. That's, I think, the the, the toughest league in baseball uh, for hitters. I think it's, it's the most pitcher-friendly league in baseball. And so I, I'm not concerned about his surface stats there. He's up at double a he i think he played like 130 games before getting the bump up to double a that's far from a a snail's pace of of ascension so i think india has just kind of been like a median this is sort of like a median outcome like if you took jonathan india i think he's been about sort of what you would expect in a most likely scenario and i think there's another level there for him especially as a power hitter and i think the on-base skills are definitely there um really like the only guy if if i ended up with india in a first year player draft i think the only guy i'd be really kicking myself for not taking would be marco luciano and short of that i think he's right in that same tier with with the rest of the guys from that draft class as, as fantasy prospects and i mean if you want to talk about a disappointment it's victor victor mace i don't think it's jonathan india 
That's good to hear. I appreciate that. Uh, Real quick before we move on, a word from our friends over at Superdraft. The future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Superdraft's exclusive game mode, Multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Superdraft offers contests for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and PGA, so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for Superdraft today using promo code ROTOWIRE and claim your free $5 in super cash and a free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download in the App Store or play at superdraft.io. Superdraft, no limits, more winning. Uh, James, for the Washington Nationals, actually, Daniel Johnson, is he with the Nats still? No, Indians. That's right, he got traded. I had him rostered in RDI, I think, and then just cut him loose. Uh, But now he's on a tear, and why aren't more people talking about Daniel Johnson? Well, I I mean, I think everyone's really excited about Oscar Mercado, and rightfully so. He's been a, a stud, especially in the second half, but... Uh, Johnson's really close to joining him in that outfield. I think he's kind of a tailor-made right fielder. He's got a big arm. He's He's got uh, above-average speed. And he's just really produced this year. The you know, I don't really see any f- flaws in the profile. Like maybe he only hits like 260, 265, 270 in, in like a good year. But I think he's a, a sleeper 2020 guy. And... Uh, maybe he's one of those guys where the power has kind of passed the in-game speed or at least the, the speed on the bases, but uh, he's pretty toolsy. He's had a lot of success at AAA this year. He's obviously in a great organization to get an opportunity in that outfield, so I feel like more people should at least be paying attention to the fact that pretty soon Daniel Johnson's going to be up, and he's the type of guy that I would add in a lot of mixed leagues. Very nice. What did they have to give up for him? That was the Jan Gomes trade. Oh, Jan Gomes. Boy, oh, boy. Um, Next up, (laughs) Sam Hilliard. Should we care about Sam Hilliard? Uh, I think we should, and I know why people don't. He's a Rockies uh, right field prospect uh, tied for the AAA lead with – 28 home runs. He's also got 18 steals. He's actually tied with Jorge Mateo with 18 steals, which is sixth best, I think, in the PCL. But he's also he's been caught fewer times than Mateo, even though Mateo's the guy with the speed that we're always talking about. Um, Hilliard's 25, and he's 25 and a half. So I get why people aren't excited. But he didn't uh, – he was a former pitcher. He didn't – uh, transition to being an outfielder until 2015 and so to me like in baseball years you should be thinking of Sam Hilliard as like a 23 year old and if he was a 23 year old Rockies prospect with 28 home runs and 18 steals even in the PCL I think people would be a lot more excited I think people just get scared away by that age and I think that opens up an opportunity to scoop him up for nothing in a lot of dynasty leagues right now and you know, we we never know what the Rockies are going to do with prospects, obviously. But if I were their GM, he's also obviously, as a former pitcher, he's got a big arm, he's got speed, so uh, has a chance to be a plus defensive right fielder. 
if I were their GM, I'd be looking at like Blackman, David Dahl, and Sam Hilliard as my outfielder of the future from from left to right. And I, I think he's already uh, better probably than Rymel Tapia. Um, obviously, he's better than Ian Desmond. So when you factor in his abilities on both sides of the ball, I think that we could get to a point fairly soon where he's uh, maybe an everyday player, or at least a strong side platoon guy. Uh, for the Rockies, and with that combination of power and speed, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, Rockies, you know, James throwing out that hypothetical, I'd say make it happen. Be better <laughs> off. Put this guy in charge. I'm dead serious. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Hilliard is pretty interesting. That age and just how they how they handle guys. It seems like you have to, like, ride the shuttle for three years before you can actually get a chance with the Rockies, but definitely a guy whose tools look like they'll play. Now, I mentioned I like Tariq Skubel's name and then somehow that became he's one of my guys i'll, nice. ta- I'll take that yeah he can be one of my guys for now uh, but why is Tariq scubel not a top 100 prospect um uh, i mean it's he's trending towards being a top 100 prospect but i i understand why like you'd look at his uh, statistical performance especially since he got that bump up to double a and you'd say like, well, why, what am I missing here? Why isn't this guy ranked like a hundred spots higher? Um, for me, it's, it's just the fact that I am looking at his current repertoire and I'm wondering how well it's going to translate against big league hitters. And, you know, he's got this dirty, dirty fastball, like 96 from the left side. He has this sort of sped up delivery and he, he hides the ball pretty well. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of Josh Hader in that, in that way where it just, it's all of a sudden it's just on you as a hitter and you just have very little time to react. Um, so, I mean, he's going to have a, a big league career. If he stays healthy, he's going to be a, a weapon in some capacity. Uh, but when you get to the secondaries, you know, I mean, he'll throw he'll throw a slider. Uh, he has thrown a changeup. I just I don't think he needs those pitches at all right now to have success against minor league hitters. And I think he's just gotten so confident with that fastball. He's had so much success with it that he can just mow down hitters with with that fastball. And every time he throws the breaking ball, it's kind of just like a, holy crap, I didn't expect him to throw that. Um, so it's just, to me, it's, it's not a complete repertoire yet. And like, I would compare him to a guy like Matt Manning, who, uh, you know, Scooble's first three starts at double a statistically better than Matt Manning's first three starts at double a, but Matt Manning's got uh, a plus curveball and a plus changeup and a uh, really good command for his age and a, a big fastball, um, I just, you know, he's a more finished product to me and Scooble could get there. Like he could, his secondary pitches could, could absolutely develop and, and get him to, you know, frontline number two starter territory because of that fastball. Uh, but you know, he, he's got a ways to go in that regard. So I think he, he could get big league hitter, hitters out today in like a two or three inning spurt just on that fastball, but big league hitters are going to figure out your fastball and, so I think right now, without some improvement and, and more consistency, since consistency with those secondaries, uh, there's some bullpen risk there. Now for the Royals, Sully Matias, 
on the IL right now. He hasn't played since June 11th due to a fractured hand and was really struggling before that, 148, 259, 307. What do you say? Do you think he should still be rostered in Dynasty Leagues? Yeah, I I think this is like just an interesting thing to talk about and just sort of the way people handle their minor league spots in Dynasty Leagues because – Matias is rostered across the board in my dynasty leagues. Like he's he's owned in in every single league I play in, uh, and I there's probably I don't know seventy five guys, a hundred guys that I would drop him for if he was on my roster, but he's not on my roster for a reason. Like I wasn't high on him really ever, and there are a lot of people that were really high on him, especially last year when he was just. Uh, the first half of last year, like he was the best power hitter in affiliated baseball. Um, the strikeout rate, like I, I, my fear of strikeouts has led me to be wrong about guys like Aaron Judge and uh, Matt Chapman. It's what led me to uh, vastly underrate what Fernando Tatis was going to do this year. Uh but I mean, with Matias, it's he. You know, he's striking out like what, like forty four percent of the time. Um, that's just that's too much. <laughs> and and even like in a best case scenario, from from now until like when he's two or three years into the big leagues, I just don't see how he's ever going to be hitting more than like two twenty, two fifteen. And like to me, if that's sort of the, if that's what you're hoping for, even with all that raw power. I would just rather use the the roster spot on somebody else, um, and it's it's just kind of a philosophy thing. Like I I was a big Hudson Potts guy for a long time, and I cut him loose in in a dynasty league just because, um, you know I just think the the hit tool is certainly questionable. But I mean he he's one of the youngest guys at Double A, and I I cut him loose. Uh, I'm just kind of a a hit tool poor and if, if you if you have like Same. a 20 grade hit tool or a 30 grade hit tool i'm just not going to be that patient but i i understand sort of if you came into the year thinking he was a no doubt top 100 prospect like a lot of people did i understand just not being willing to kind of cut a guy like that loose but uh, for me there's better ways to use a, a minor league roster spot. Very nice. Now, for the Dodgers, what in the world got into DJ Peters after his promotion to AAA, uh, aside from the juice ball? <laughs> I, I really can't figure it out. I used to love DJ Peters. Then after this past season, I sort of decided that I think he's going to be a short side platoon guy. Uh, was way better against lefties last year than he was righties. That he comes back to Double A, um, he's up to 200 games played at Double A now. Before he got that promotion to Triple A, so he was at Double A for a long time. Had like a, a batting average under 240, almost 300 strikeouts, uh, like 40 homers. But this year at Double A, he had reverse splits and wasn't hitting lefties at all. Was was crushing righties, and I didn't really know what to make of that. Uh, but I mean, he still wasn't really producing that much for a guy his age at Double A. And then he gets the bump up to AAA, and he has massive improvements on his strikeout rate. He's obviously the juice ball. Like I, I'm not even really looking at anything other than just his strikeout rate at AAA. And it's I've, I'm almost starting to wonder if – and th- he's not the first guy. Like Daniel Johnson has a lower strikeout rate at AAA than he did at AA. And I'm wondering if there's just more 
swing and miss arms at double A right now than there are at triple A uh, because something's just not adding up. Like you, you shouldn't just go up to triple A and all of a sudden be, be much better at making contact. And it's just really, really confusing to me. I think we have to consider the fact that it might be tougher to make contact at double A right now than it is at triple A because of the pitchers in those respective leagues. Like there's a lot of good pitchers at double A, you know, guys like uh, Ian Anderson, Matt Manning, uh, Casey Mize, like where their teams could realistically give them that bump uh, to triple A. Um, I don't think Anderson's been promoted up, um, but like it, it's just. Seems it's like double A is the true test. Level, it's, yeah, it's sort of where everyone's keeping their high end arms because they don't want them to get just destroyed at triple A. So I think <laughs> that's just something to keep in mind when you're looking at guys moving from double A AA to triple A. Maybe it's easier to to hit triple a right now than it is at double a and that's uh one reason too why I, i'm still holding out hope that maybe the angels bump joe adele to the big leagues uh, over uh, without even sending him to triple a yeah i saw that there's like a twitter account like is joe adele up in the majors yet and they're just tweeting no every day but hopefully <laughs> they, they tweet yes pretty soon a real quick uh, note one last read here a fantasy draft .com would like to bring you an important message about Rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Do you know that over time these fees, called Rake, can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise Rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More Rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money. For the players, but change is coming. Starting in July, Fantasy Draft is changing the game by by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. Soon you'll be able to play your favorite contest without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners. 100% of the time, playing your favorite contest rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free daily fantasy is truly a game-changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today and be the first to know when the rake-free revolution begins. Use promo code RWMLB to receive a free seven-day trial. Now, James, we talked about uh, Trent Grisham last week, so I'm just going to jump down. Bruce Star Gratterall, is his injury history starting to concern you? Yeah, I mean, he's... I think he might almost be outside my top 200 at this point. He's he's listed at like 6'1", 180. Uh, I think he's at least 200 pounds. Uh, so, he, you know, he's a bigger guy, especially given his age. And it's just constant back and shoulder stuff with him that's sort of limiting him from, from ever getting uh, to the point where he could uh, be fully stretched out for a big league season. And... I think you know he's got this um, sort of this delivery where he just really kind of snaps his arm at the end. Uh, I, I just I'm really concerned about him staying healthy as a starting pitcher, and that's why I've bumped him way down. I mean, if you catch him when he's healthy and and throwing well, like he looks like a potential front of front of the rotation arm, but. Uh, to me, it's just it's gotten to the point where I think the relief risk is is higher than him sticking as a starter. 
Well, we're not going to get to the rest of these questions. Um, maybe you can address some next week with Ian, but anything you just want to get out of the way right now uh, that's on your mind? No, just uh, you know, apologize for the lack of the article this week. It, it would have been good, um, but we're all we're all going to be denied it. But hopefully, uh, tackled most of the interesting stuff on the pod today. One good and one name I haven't really heard: Jake Cronenworth, legit two way guy. Well, he's he's a guy who has a chance to be a. I think he'd have, he would have a chance to be an everyday infielder, but they're also developing him as a potential opener and i just think that's going to be fascinating to sort of see how that plays out he's already at triple a for the rays if he's deployed as a reliever a couple times a week does that make it so that he's because he's not like a a high-end prospect where if you know you're only getting four starts out of him in a week you're probably not going to roll with him uh, so I just think that's going to be something really interesting to track uh, with Jake Cronenworth and, and the Rays org. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Use the guy as an opener then just like shift him to second or something uh, after the first inning. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be kinda, cool. That'd be kind of crazy. Um, okay, James, next up we are going to wrap things up with a discussion of our you know favorite commercial hip-hop jams that we're still getting done with today. Although I want to say first, the – creators of our intro music new day i got to see them live as part of a larger group opening for devin the dude their group is called outside voices opening for my guy devin here in madison it was a great time i you know after the openers the the stage kind of cleared out i got real close got to you know high five devin be front row for all the jams it was a great time and congrats to those dudes uh, apparently you know we've had a lot of requests for the intro to be downloaded, they have a a song kind of in the in the bank, ready to be released. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll, I'm looking forward to the day when I can direct all those questions to a a link where downloadable. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah, it's going to be cool. That was really sweet seeing them. And I also got Devin's new album. I'm going to have to be playing that. But Devin, not my choice. <laughs> Devin for... does not qualify. <laughs> No, but my choice this week, big pun, it's so hard. I feel like maybe we talked about this like years and years back. I apologize for duplicating if that is the case, but it's so hard is a great song by big pun. Did that have enough commercial success to qualify here? Yeah, I think so. I saw it a lot on, on the basement and other, other, right, other places. Right. Plus, the video is what I wanted to talk about most because... Everybody's showing out. Of course, Big Pun had just recently passed away, so everybody paying their respects. You got Prime J-Lo, although J-Lo may still be in her prime, but really kind of putting the song over. Um, J-Lo had a, a Roger Clemens-esque run of, of just like 20-year dominance. 30, maybe, might be going on 30 years. Yeah, just unreal run for her. Uh, but she's doing the part where she's like, I know you from where? Elementary school. I don't know you, man. It's just great. And uh, the song's great. Really relatable track. Uh, you got Raekwon showing up at the end. Nas. Just a lot of uh, the big stars. So great video. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Awesome. That's a good recommendation. I will I will be sure to check that out. Uh, you haven't, you've not seen the It's So Hard video. Oh, I, that might have been... Maybe it was mostly, you know, BET. If it was like, you know, I don't think my... I didn't get cable until maybe like 
that my my music video uh knowledge is is largely limited but well I, there's a lot i haven't seen too but i just recommend if you haven't check out big pun it's so hard uh mine is a music video or a song which has a music video that is probably one of the most viewed hip-hop music videos of all time uh it's incredibly an incredibly commercial track i don't think it would ever make clay's list i mean for for one big reason but also it's just it might just be too big of a song to, to make clay's list but uh mo money mo problems okay. uh, notorious big featuring mace featuring clay's favorite diddy uh <laughs> this I'm, is the classic like um then that like weird like train well or something the uh like Light sort up. of um bubble yeah bubble like cylindrical uh, yeah, yeah 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 and they're in these like big suits puffy suits yeah, big red suits yeah. um i just want to read <laughs> i want to read the first two lines of diddy's verse really quick uh i'm the d to the a to the d d y no you'd rather see me die than see me fly like how about that <laughs> that's pretty good i remember that one who's <laughs> the worst worst lyricist between the two biggie or i'm sorry not biggie puffy or Birdman, Puffy, uh, uh, really? Yeah. Okay. But we gotta we gotta wrap up quick. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love that track. Uh, everyone knows the words to that track. Mason and Biggie bring it on that track, and it was an incredibly popular track. So I think it, it fits the bill. It's very close between uh, Diddy and Birdman for worst lyricists of that era. But yeah, thanks, James. Thank you all for listening to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.